Hey, morning. This morning I'm going to bring you in on two things that will significantly change your life. Two things. Big call. Lean in. The first one is courtesy of Forrest Fenn. Now, if you haven't heard of Forrest Fenn yet, uh, let me bring you up to speed. Forrest Fenn is a gentleman in his late 80s. He resides in New Mexico with his wife. He's a multimillionaire, uh, self-made through business interests. In 1988, Forrest Fenn was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, what he decided to do at that time was cobble together a, uh, a brass box and fill that box with uh, gold, rare coins, um, other uh, precious jewels, uh, also a, an olive jar with his autobiography in it and uh, put that together. And his idea was to go out into the Rocky Mountains and bury that and then actually take his own life nearby where he'd buried this particular box. The, the, the contents of that box in 1988 were valued at a million dollars. Well, Forrest Fenn actually survived that cancer and so he didn't follow through with uh, burying the box and, and taking his own life. But in 2010, uh, he did actually follow through on the idea of burying that box in the Rocky Mountains. He then wrote a nine stanza poem. And each stanza of that poem was a clue or is a clue as to whereabouts in the Rocky Mountains that box is buried. And he published that poem and uh, countless people from around the globe have taken the time to try and crack the code of that poem to identify using these nine clues in the poem exactly where that treasure is. They've, they've uh, flown in from all around the world to go on this Rocky Mountains adventure to try and find this, this uh, box of, uh, of very expensive uh, contents, which by the way, are now valued at closer to $8 million. And this is a big thing. There's been eight books written about just Forrest Fenn and the, and, and the, and the buried treasure. Um, before you start planning your own Rocky Mountain adventure as well, by the way, let me just uh, underscore that uh, two people and even potentially three people have lost their lives uh, in the Rocky Mountains searching for this particular treasure. But Forrest Fenn, he's actually confirmed that in this nine stanza poem that, that numerous people have actually gotten the clues correct, but they haven't got them in the correct order. Having said that, he's made it clear that numerous people have actually been within 500 feet of this treasure. And he said even some of those same people have been within 200 feet of this treasure. And yet to this day, 2017, seven years after he buried it and published the poem, nobody's actually found the treasure and the game continues. And I can't help but thinking that that's sometimes what life feels like. That you and I have a, 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 have a hunch, have a, have a sense that there's some great things nearby and yet for various reasons, we can't seem to, to put our hands on them. Sometimes that's because of uh, 
maybe your upbringing. You know, maybe you were raised, and I know people who were raised in a very cynical, negative atmosphere, and, 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 and they've struggled to break free of that, struggled to rise above that in their own life. Sometimes it's a life circumstance that just absolutely knocks the wind out of you and, and you struggle to find the awesome in life because of the hit that you've taken. A relatively new phenomenon that uh, I wanna make sure you're aware of is actually the way that uh, mainstream or what I like to call lamestream media, the way that operates these days is actually feeds on publishing negativity because for some reason, people like to read and watch bad news. Not me, but people do. And that has an influence on how we see the world, that the world is full of doom and gloom and negativity, and we struggle to find the awesome. But over these next three weeks, from this series, Find the Awesome, I wanna put it to you that there is incredibly awesome things that God has placed both in us and near us And we wanna highlight those things so we can find the awesome again. And here's the thing, you don't even have to have a change of circumstances to find the awesome that already exists in your life. You don't have to change your job. You don't have to move country. You don't have to sell your kids on eBay. You can find the awesome even without a change of circumstance because so much of finding the awesome isn't about our circumstances changing, but rather our perspective changing. And I wanna drill pretty deep in that this morning. If you've got the Elevate app installed, how about you open that up, tap the Bible, tile, and it'll take you to Psalm 46. Now, Psalm, the word Psalm, isn't a word that we use very often, uh, day to day, it's a churchy word. Basically, the, the, the Psalms is a, is, a, is a collection of poems and songs most of them written by a guy named David who started his public career in obscurity as a teenage shepherd, was actually promoted ultimately by God to become the King of Israel. And through his life, he recorded these poems and he recorded these songs and we now call them the Psalms. And one of the things I like about David that's, that's reflected in the Psalms is that guy was unfiltered. He laid it all out there. You read through the Psalms and and David talks about the good and the bad and the ugly. The good, the bad and the ugly about life. The good, the bad and the ugly about, about circumstances. And he even talks about the good, the bad and the ugly about God. Things that he likes about God and things he don't like about God. Things he liked that God was doing, things that he didn't like that God wasn't doing. And we read through that and Psalm 46 is a really short but vivid uh, expression of one of those pieces of writing from David. Let me tee off. Verse one, God is a safe place to hide, ready to help when we need Him. We stand fearless at the cliff edge of doom, courageous in sea storm and earthquake, before the rush and roar of oceans, the tremor, tremors that shift mountains. Jacob, wrestling God, fights for us. God of angel armies, protects us. This this vivid language that David wrote. I don't like to buy uh, too much uh, processed food. I I, I tell people I I try to avoid food that is sold with a barcode. But occasionally I'll find myself in the aisles looking at certain things. And um, 
But even when I'm looking at, at, at the, 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 the processed foods, I'm, I need to read the ingredients because there's certain things that I don't like to eat within those. And one thing I've discovered is that um, the list of ingredients on packaged food, the actual font seems to be getting smaller and smaller every year. And uh, now, before you scream out that I'm getting old, I already know that, but actually I've had poor eyesight from birth. I, I, it's even a miracle that I found my way out of the womb. Um, my eyesight's that bad. But um, so I'm, so I, so I'm there, you, you will see me, you'll regularly see me at my local supermarkets standing there, well, well sorry, the good news is you won't anymore, but there was a time in the not too distant past where you would see me standing looking at a jar of something, looking at the back, looking, I can read the word ingredients, that tends to be bigger and bold, but I couldn't read anything of the ingredients. And I would just stand there and I would squint and I would try to look at a different angle, I would try to hold it up to the light. Nothing helped, nothing worked. Way too proud to ask the young people <laughs> passing by if they might read out loud the ingredients to me. So it was pretty frustrating until I discovered that my good friends at Apple have baked in to their iPhone uh, a little known feature that if you, this little home button at the bottom, if you triple tap that, it actually turns your iPhone camera into a magnifying glass. O-M-G, game officially changed. So now, what you will see is me standing at the same aisle with the same kind of in ingredient, the same kind of uh, product in my hand with my iPhone hovering over it, pretending I'm taking a photo. But what I'm actually doing is I'm reading things in incredibly magnified font size. While I'm looking through my, oh, by the way, uh, if you have an iPhone and you wanna activate that, it's hidden in the accessibility settings, which I find very offensive. It's hidden in, <laughs> a feature that I use very regularly is, is actually alongside the settings, alongside, would you like us to read your text messages out loud to you? Would you like us to increase the font size across your entire phone? Very offensive. So I use the magnifying glass. And one of the things that you notice when you use a magnifying, I mean, some of you don't even know what a magnifying glass is, okay? But it, it makes things look bigger. Just let me explain that to you. When I'm looking through the screen on my phone that's, act, that's magnifying the words on the, on the label of whatever it is I have in my hand, at that moment, nothing else is visible to me. I, I'm, I, am, I am unaware and unconscious of everything else around me because I am zeroing in on the thing that I'm magnifying. And what you discover is that whatever it is you magnify, that will change your perspective. And we can actually choose what we magnify. Let me, let me show you how this works. Let me put the same... Uh, first three verses of this Psalm 46 up on the screen, but let me, let me put it up there and magnify 
a few words. This is the whole thing, but let me just magnify the ones in blue. We stand, this is what, this is what I'm gonna focus on. We stand at the cliff edge of doom. Oh, David, you feel me. Yeah, you know me well. In a sea storm, an earthquake, before the rush and roar of the oceans, the tremors that shift mountains. Man, David, you're reading my mail. This is my life right here. I'm standing at the cliff edge of doom in a sea storm and an earthquake. Oh my gosh, David, you've got it. You absolutely nailed that. That's if that is what we choose to magnify. That's the truth that we'll take away from this psalm. All right, let's magnify some different words. Same psalm, same three verses. Let's magnify some different words. God is ready to help when we need Him. God fights for us. God protects us. Shift what you magnify and the very same words written on the very same pages or app take on a whole different meaning, give us a whole different perspective. And, and out of that shift in perspective, you'll find that you'll act differently in accordance with the shift of perspective. Instead of focusing on the problem, we get the opportunity, we get to choose to focus on God in the midst of the problems. And, 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 and here's what happens. God is a safe place to hide. We stand fearless. We stand courageous. None of this took away the problems. None of this is about denying the problems. None of this is saying that we'll never stand at the cliff edge of doom, that we'll never be in a sea storm and an earthquake, we'll never face the rush and the roar of the oceans and the tremors that shift mountains. What this does, however, by magnifying God, it ultimately puts Him alongside our problems. And by simply doing that, everything changes. Because when you say something is big, the word big is a relative term. It's always big compared to what? My problems are big. Big compared to what? Big compared to your other problems? Big compared to last year's problems? Big compared to your friend's problems? It's always, man, my problems are so big. Yeah, but, but, but compared to what? And, and, and one of the most important things that'll change your life is by putting your problems next to something that's even bigger than them. Let me give you an example. I shared this quite some time ago. You guys have probably heard of The Rock, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. Here he is. He was an actor in the WWE. And um, some of you missed that. Uh, he's a big guy. All right, he's a big guy. He's now everywhere. He's in every movie that's currently made. Uh, he's, he's, he endorses every product that's ever been manufactured in the last 10 years. Um, he will one day be the President of the United States of America. You heard it first. Apparently they give that job to anybody these days. Um, he's big. Well, is he? Because just standing there, he could be three foot tall. You wouldn't know because 
The question of whether Dwayne The Rock Johnson is big always has to be big compared to what, or in this case, to whom? Let me give you some perspective. Dwayne The Rock Johnson next to Charles Barkley and Shaq O'Neal, he ain't that big. He's a flipping midget. He looks shorter than me in that photo. Because here's the thing, he's big, but he's not big when you compare him to Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille, he's big. Size 23 Tom's shoes. They custom make them for him. That's big. Compared to what? Compared to me. (laughs) Ten and a half, baby. And a mistake that we can too often make is we focus on the problem rather than putting our problems alongside God and then ultimately focusing on God and just how big and powerful God is. When we magnify our problems, it diminishes God, but when we magnify God, it diminishes our problems. Well, David riffed on. Godless nations rant and rave. Kings and kingdoms threaten. Business profit goes down this quarter. My relationship with my spouse is not going well. My kids are driving me crazy. My health report that I got back from the doctor isn't, isn't good, isn't promising. I lost my job. A bill just came in that we hadn't budgeted for. But earth does anything God says. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. See the stuff I've highlighted there? I didn't highlight the godless nations rant and rave, kings and kingdoms threaten, which by the way, we don't need reminding of that. Again, watch the lamestream news. You'll see that in a heartbeat. But earth does anything God says. Highlight that. Jacob wrestling, God fights for us. God protects us. Attentional. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth, bans wars from pole to pole. Let me just read this stuff in blue. Earth does anything God says. God fights for us. God protects us. And by the way, this is the bit I love and that's the way I highlighted it. He breaks all the weapons across his knee. It's like the devil's throwing stuff at you and God goes, is that the best you got? Really? He doesn't break them against your knee because he's too busy protecting you. He breaks them against his knee. Huh? Sickness, doctor's report, boom, done. Bill that you didn't have money for, that's it. People at your, at your office place running you down, trying to, trying to stop you from getting that promotion. I got that. And whilst it's good and appropriate for us to speak to God about our problems, it's also critical that we speak to our problems about our God. Problem, is that the best you got? Because if that's the best you got, then I gotta let you know, my God breaks that stuff against his knee and it's done. Verse 10, riffing on, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above 
everything. In another version, this one's a little bit more well-known in church sphere, be still and know that I am God. And really there's two slices to this. One is instruction. Hey, you, you with the problems, step out of the traffic, push pause, be still and no, just be still, okay? Be still. The, the, the storms are raging around you, be still. The waves are crashing over you, be still. But it's not just instruction. If it was just instruction, I don't know. I don't take instruction well. It's not just instruction, it's also permission. It's a reminder, David's reminding us that, that not only should we be still, but actually we can be still because of who God is alongside our problems. So we need to magnify our perspective, but as well as magnifying our perspective, if we're gonna see the game changed, because you may or may not find Forest Fen's buried treasure, but you can have your life changed by magnifying your perspective of God and by recalibrating your perspective of God. Because when I ask this question, here it is. What do you think God is like? This is a rhetorical question, but, but, but maybe just answer that in your head. Like, what, what's He really like? What's his, not what does He look like, okay? I think Lisa Simpson drew that once in the, in, the, in the Simpsons, so you can figure out what God looks like by going to that episode. Nobody, what does He look like, but, but, but what is He like? What's His nature? Like, like, like really? You know, what, I think if I was to maybe walk through the city today and just ask a few random people on the streets, I wonder if I wouldn't get maybe some people think if God exists at all, that He's a bit of a prankster. That you ask him for one thing, a good thing, and, and, he, and he doesn't like to give good things, he likes to give rubbish things to just to make your life worse. Kind of a prankster, you know? And so you don't dare pray for patience because you think, oh my God, if I pray for patience, God's gonna move that lady into the cubicle next to me at the office. And that lady is a pain in the... So you don't pray for patience because you think, God, he's gonna give me a really, really crappy answer to that prayer. Maybe you think you don't even pray for any good things because you, 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 you've got in mind that all God wants to do is prank you. <laughs> maybe you think he's stingy. Maybe, maybe, maybe I get that answer. Well, if God's really, you know, real, he's a bit of a flippin' stinge. He didn't, he didn't, he's not generous. He didn't give stuff out. He didn't look after you. Some people think God's angry at them. And I, I said this last week when we took communion together, God sent Jesus to pardon you, not to punish you. It's the fact that God sent Jesus means we don't actually get what we deserve. That while we are guilty, we are, when we ask His forgiveness, declared innocent of crimes we actually committed. God's not angry. He, he loves us so much that He actually took the matters into His own hands and sent the only thing that He only had one of, His Son. 
Maybe, maybe some people might say, well, yeah, okay, he, I, I believe God's kind of there, but, but he's kind of like the, the bit Midler song. He's watching us from a distance. He's like, he's real, but he's not interested. Like he, he's, he's, he, he, don't bother dialing his number because he doesn't even pick up the phone. A couple of months ago, we uh, gathered for, well, a month ago, we gathered for seven consecutive Thursday evenings for an hour and we prayed as a team. And one of these particular evenings, one of our team uh, wasn't able to be here uh, due to work commitments, but they instead took time in that particular morning before they had to get into their work schedule to, to pray for the things we were gonna be praying for that evening. And, um, and when they finished praying, they, they were just writing down what they felt God said to them. And there was some real solid assurances that, they, that God was giving them. And they pinged them through to me and said, man, I don't, I don't mind like praying to God, but it sure feels better when you get a sense that He's actually listening. And I'm like, yeah, good. And they shared with me what they felt God say to them it was fantastic. But, it, but if we think that God's any one or more of these things, distant, stingy, angry, prankster, then, 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 then that actually, we run life through that lens and it affects the outcomes of our lives. We can think God is big, but we can think that he's a big pain in the ass. We can think that he's big stinge. We can think that he's big and angry. We can think that he's big and disinterested. So we don't, we, we don't only need to magnify our perspective of God, but we also need to recalibrate our perspective of God. And this is how David landed this particular psalm to recalibrate our perspective. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. And this is the reason I highlighted that. When you read through the Bible, you'll see a lot, even if you just read through the Psalms, by the way, you'll see a lot of reminders that God is with us, that God is near us, that God is alongside us, that God is within reach of us, that God is close to us. And if I was to summarize all of those things, it would be to say that God is with us, which is fantastic. David flips the coin and says on the other side of that very same coin, this description of God is not only is he with us, but he fights for us. He's not just our BFF, but defenseless. He's God Almighty that goes ahead of us, protecting us, but not just protecting us, but actually fighting for us. And if we get that, if we understand it, if we recalibrate our perspective of God, that we have a God that's not only with us, but actually fights for us, then boys and girls, when you walk out of here, when you turn up at your workplace tomorrow, when you get back with your family, when you enter the same circumstances, 
go back into those same circumstances. And, and, and I'm not saying God won't actually change your circumstances. Keep praying that He will if, 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 if they're not actually in line with His best. Keep praying that He'll change your circumstances, but don't wait until your circumstances get changed to think that only then you'll find the awesome that God's placed within arm's reach because we can start finding the awesome by shifting our perspective, magnifying Him and understanding that He fights for us, not denying the problems. And, and I know some of you have got some very real things that you're dealing with in your life. And so I don't ever wanna belittle them or, or, or gloss over them, but I wanna hold God up alongside them. And your problems are the rock and God is Shaq. And Shaq's fighting back.